In the heat of summer, the planet burns. Lakes shrink before our eyes, but the oceans rise. Are you ready? Welcome to Tough Times with Lou Young. I'm Lou Young uh, here uh, at the big broadcast complex in Garnerville, uh, just uh, ready to talk about the desperate situation we are facing. Uh, if you're listening uh, and the date on your calendar says it's uh, July 23rd, you can call in any time during the show, 845-429-1700. If the date where you are is not um, July 23rd, uh, you'll need special equipment to reach us. <laughs> would that be? Would it be something if we got a call from the future? Yeah. Somebody listening to the recorded program and they and they call in. Yeah. How would that work? <laughs> you know, it'd be like a Twilight Zone episode. In any yeah, event, yeah. so uh, um, uh, I'm off on a tangent here, right, right from the very start. Uh, once again, welcome, folks, and um, you know we, we're broadcasting here to uh, Rockland and Westchester and uh, points beyond, and we're talking about. Um, getting ready. Are you ready? I said that at the top there. And um, we have some municipal leaders uh, with us today who are uh, getting their communities ready for uh, climate change. Um, uh, on the line right now, we've got uh, Jerry Barbario, who is the um, village manager of the uh, coolest community in Westchester County. Uh, Jerry, how you doing? I'm doing well, Lou. I agree with you. Um, <laughs> we're not cool today, but we are one community. I mean, cool in the in the uh, in the you know demeanor sense. You know. That's right. right. I keep some happy days cool. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, J- Jerry, Jerry's uh, uh, got uh, uh, an eighty-eight million dollar uh, federal project uh, there in Mamaroneck um, that is uh, going to uh, try to uh, mitigate some of the flooding. We had uh, terrible flooding there uh, after Ida and. Um, you're all about uh, climate resilience. Tell me about some of the things that, that you're th- looking at, and then, then, then in a bit we're going to get into this whole um, uh, bag of money that's going to become available at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the uh, year here. Right, so let's hope so. Um, so thanks, Lou and, and George, uh, for allowing me on, um, and to the people of uh, our community, the village of Mamaroneck, for allowing me to serve as your manager. So what we're doing here is... Um, just trying to prepare for the next event. Unfortunately, these are devastating events, but the next event uh, that we believe are caused by climate change. And, and what we have here is a very unique community. We have um, 3.2 square miles of, uh, of earth, of ground, uh, that we uh, manage here, that my, my staff and I and the Board of Trustees. And then we have uh, three square miles of, uh, of uh, the Long Island Sound that we have to manage. And what we're realizing is that uh, our, our facilities, specifically our largest park, the largest park in the community uh, next to the county parks, um, is impacted significantly by uh, climate change and, and sea level rise. And uh, the composition or the, the, <clears throat> the way we look at things um, has, to, um, has to be a different approach. We have to start preparing for the future. Uh, if we keep our head in the sand, we're, we're not going to get, uh, we're not going to do justice to the people who want to continue to live here 
and future generations. Now, Jerry, I remember, and you mentioned George a minute ago, and we should say, tell George is. George Patanovic is sitting here with us. Say hi, George. Hello. <laughs> and um, uh, he's he's uh, in, in the uh, co-pilot seat here today. And uh, we talked about uh, the seawalls you're, you're, you're building by the harbor uh, down, uh, down there. And sure. um, uh, you mentioned something to me that really stuck in my head. You said we're going to bring them up to 2030 levels. And, 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 and what does that explain that? So, so we're bringing them up to the 2080 level. We have projections that 2080, uh, okay. at 2080 level that we have projections that uh, uh, sea level rise will be in our community will be at least three feet in the year, three feet higher than, than what it is now in the year 2080. And so we have to prepare for that. If not, we're going to lose our public space to more Long Island Sound. And we don't want to do that. We want to prepare for that. Um, unfortunately, this is something that we can't control. It's something that we have to prepare for. Now, There's, if it goes above that, I mean, you know, then that park you're protecting just isn't there anymore, is it? Correct. It's inundated with water. It becomes, uh, you know, shallow, former parkland. And uh, well, nobody wants to see that here. Nobody wants to see that. So it's happening. It's ha- it's not it's not uh, imaginary. It's not um, uh, theoretical. It's uh, in progress, isn't it? It is. It's, it's in progress. Um, um, of course, you know, people go back and forth about the weather and, and global warming and all of that stuff. But the truth is we continue to have snowstorms here uh, in Mermanic. But we also have, uh, like this, I think, is day five of a heat wave. Mm-hmm. And I think tomorrow New York is set to break the record for heat. Mm-hmm. So there's something going on. And, uh, you know, we may not be smart enough to realize what it is, but we should be smart enough to realize it's coming, and we have to prepare for it. All right, so we're, you're here with us in the virtual lounge, and I'm going to ask you to virtually uh, get up and walk with me, if you would, uh, sure. to the to the big machine. And um, and I was going to I was going to oil that door, but I realized uh. if I did that, you wouldn't hear it open, and that would be <laughs> terrible radio. And we got the machines running here, and you can see all those red dials. And l- listen, the. Everything's on fire. You've got uh, uh, fires out west, fires in Europe. Some of them are under control now. Uh, those heat waves you've been talking about. And the uh, just today, we're looking at the shrinking Lake Mead in California. Uh, even as you're talking about saltwater rising, freshwater disappearing. And, um, and then there's, um, there's the things we can do about that. You were talking about it. At the end of this year, we've got a $4 billion bond issue in the New York State that, uh, that we will means we'll have to think of ways to spend that money. Uh, so the question is, as Jerry was saying, are you ready? There's rumors of war. Perhaps you wonder the reason why But wait, don't you worry A new day is dawning And catch the sun And the way will fly
So it's almost like Reverend Billy kind of stuff there going on there. I think it's like the uh, the whole, are you ready? Are you ready, Jerry? 
I'm trying to get ready. <laughs> Jerry Barbario, uh, reminding you, uh, Jerry Barbario is on the phone here with us, uh, the um, village manager from Maranek, the uh, flood-troubled but beautiful uh, village on the uh, Long Island Sound coast of, uh, of Westchester County. And uh, joining us uh, here in the studio, George Homan, who is the uh, supervisor of the town of Clarkstown in Rockland County, which is, uh, are you the lar- largest... Uh, uh, second largest, tenth, tenth largest out of 932 towns in the state. The second largest in the county, Ramapo, of course, is the largest. There are about 140,000 people. We're, we're just about 90,000. 90,000. That's, that's a big town, ain't it, Jerry? Yeah, that's a lot of people. But what do we got? We got about 20, 20 grand in, uh, down in Mamarnock? Yep, just, uh, just over 20,000 people. Uh, all right. In any event, everybody's got to think about it, and George has been thinking about it, too. Um, his thing... Uh, has been uh, municipal power generation. And uh, uh, you, you've been in it how long, sir? So um, in 2014, I, I've been on, I was on the town council from 2009 until um, the beginning of 2016 when I became supervisor in 2016. But um, my first, first month in office as a councilman, I proposed um, we had a closed and cap landfill, and I proposed you know, that we should uh, look at that for a, a home for a, a solar field. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Pleased to report it, it was a, an arduous journey. The laws had to be changed um, way back when. So I proposed it in 2009, uh, in February of 2009, and uh, uh, we opened up the first uh, large-scale so, uh, solar field on a closed-cap landfill uh, in, um, in the summer of 2014. And you generate about, what, two? Yeah, so 2.36 uh, megawatts uh, is what the solar field is. It's it's we produce enough power there to to su- you know supply for over 600 homes annually within our town. That, that's a, that's a, that's great. And and if you and and the the equipment has improved, so if you did it today, it would probably be like four megawatts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. In fact, the, the the wattage on the the wattage on these panels is is down like 220, 240, and and they're they're up pushing 400 you know now so that's it's it would be a sizable increase in the same footprint and uh and and jerry what is that was it what did that give you an idea jerry it does uh we have a uh we have a, a set on just under a 7.5 acre uh capped landfill here in the small village of mamaranek the lovely village of mamaranek um and it is uh, we're just looking for the best and highest possible use for it and i think boy that's some idea yeah so um, uh, we, we've been talking about that, and uh, so, uh, you know, we could probably get uh, a, a megawatt or so out of, uh, uh, out of that, right? I mean, oh, a- absolutely. And ours is, um, you know, and again, based on... How many uh, acres you got? So we're 13 acres. So. Um, the, the whole landfill is, is over 100, but there's 13 acres that were level for us to be able to, uh, to utilize. Um, and uh, it's a ballasted system, so it... Um, uh, and it, it was actually engineered to sustain 160 mile an hour winds, and, um, and basically um, we uh, it was constructed in place, and we poured um, uh, footings that are actually these um, uh, PVC tubs. Yeah. Um, and they um, they're basically filled up with um, with um, cement, um, so it's ballasted, so it rides on top of the cap because. Um, we're under, with the closed cap landfill, we're under a, a consent decree by the New York State uh, DEC. Mm-hmm. And because of that, uh, you can't puncture the cap. Yeah. And um, so 
this rides on top of the right on top of the ground. Yeah, people always want to do something that involves walking around on right. it, and the DEC mm -hmm. doesn't like mm -hmm. that. Um, so that, uh, uh, that that that's 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 something that's uh, interesting because. And let me ask both you guys um, uh, in your the thing uh, on the list of things that keep you up at night um, when the lights go out. Um, you don't know for sure when they're going to come back on, and uh, and you're completely at their mercy, aren't you? Yeah, no, oh, absolutely. Um, Jerry, I'll go first, but um, that's absolutely a concern. And, and I can tell you, um, as supervisor, I spend an awful lot of time, you know, with weather-related events, and um, whether it be snowstorms or what have you. But um, you know, we're kind of into that part of the the, the year where you get really concerned. Uh, and my concern is, you know, we're getting into hurricane season, and we've had plenty of episodes and incidents where we've had thousands of people out of out of power. Uh, I can just think back since I've been supervisor. We've had at least three storms uh, where we've had you know more than uh, half the town out of uh, power, and in, with a couple of them, we've had you know people out of power for you know days. Um, you know, in some instances, you know, upwards of a week uh, with some of the major hurricanes that have hit our area. So, yes, it's a real concern. It's one of the things that um, I you know one of the reasons I'm pushing for the uh, renewables as hardly as I am you know as hard as I am because. I believe that um, that uh, is reliable for us. I mean, now, of course, you're going to have all the transportation, uh, uh, transmission issues that take place uh, with uh, the electricity, you know, to begin with. But if you're direct, if, you're, if you have solar on your roof, you know, like we're going to be doing in our Clarkstown Town Hall within the next year, if you have solar on the roof um, and a hurricane hits, you know, God forbid, uh, you may have some issues, but uh, more than likely, you, you know that connection between the roof, you know, down to, uh, you know, down to your um, your basement is probably going to be okay. Or if, if something's wrong with it, somebody's going to be able to get out there and fix it pretty quickly. Yeah. Whereas, whereas, you know, with the transmission lines, they go down. It's even with some of the changes that have taken place with Orange and Rockland, uh, you're still looking at uh, hours to days, and in some some of the worst cases, could be over a week. Yeah. So um, you're um, you're generating electricity essentially where you're using it. Correct. So you don't have to transmit it. I mean, um, right. uh, uh, Jerry, what the, uh, what does that say to you about what could be done where you are? So, so um, initially, and thank you, Supervisor, but we definitely need to uh, to take a look at Clarkstown Lou, and uh, check uh, because it looks like we have the same issues, the same problems, the same situations. I mean, during uh, tropical Storm SIS. We have 9,000 ConEd customers here in the village. 4,500, exactly 50% of those customers were out of power for more than five days. Many of them um, homebound individuals that need life-sustaining equipment. And uh, it was a struggle for us to get generators and other um, things to their, to their home to be able to keep their, their machines and oxygen machines and other things going. And um, we also lost uh, some facilities. Now we have diesel generation uh, backup, and, and of course that's fine for a temporary period, but uh, the solar powers on the roof, solar panels on the roof of our facilities is definitely something that we've talked about. In fact, in the past few months, have we been looking at a, a sustainable plan to try to create that um, as we build new facilities or renovate our existing facilities, which we do a lot of here because we're an old community. Uh, we need to include solar panels. Our, our landfill is going to be a home run because the truth is that we're only about a half a mile from an electrical substation and, uh, and a quarter mile 
um, um, from the substation itself. So having solar panels on our capped landfill, DEC consent order, same thing as, as Clockstown, uh, we would be able to generate, like you said, uh, uh, 750 kilowatts to, to a megawatt. So we need to start doing that. Of course, everything costs money, and the supervisor knows that better than most. But, um, there's money coming in. Uh, there's money available if this bond act passes, and I'm hoping that it does. Now let's uh, talk about uh, uh, obviously. Just, but Lou, but yeah, before you get to that, just uh, Jerry, I know we're going to be talking offline. Uh, Lou and I had, had discussed that at some point. Maybe having you come over take a look at what we did. But um, you know, it's funny because as as we were starting the project, uh, we had the same situation. We we're a quarter mile away from a from a substation, and I just assumed, okay, let's run the let's run the wires right over to the substation, and um, and you know, um, figuring okay that would that would have worked. And basically, um, what what we ended up doing was we have a main transmission line that goes right up and down the um, right up and down Route 303, right in front of where the landfill is. And um, th that's the main transmission line. So that's pretty much that's what we did. So we, we go directly into the grid. Now, one of the things that I'm hopeful as time goes forward with these solar projects is that batteries get better, and particularly at Town Hall when we start to look at project, that project and the police department, not only having a generator but also having the ability for battery backup. And I know that Con Ed and Orange and Rockland are, doing, are working with some partners in that area and we're going to be we're going to be exploring that as we move forward. You know, for us, um, it's an infrastructure project first and foremost. So um, we're fixing our roof at Town Hall um, has been done in 40 years, um, and we're doing it so that we we can then do the the solar and for next year. But just back to your landfill situation, um, you may not have to. You you might want to think differently instead of saying, okay, we're going to run it to the to the substation. You probably have major transmission lines that are all around it, and then you just work it out that way. It's it's easier. And then the ballasted system, uh, you could literally take the Clarkstown um, engineering and slap it on your landfill uh, because it's it's already it already proved muster. You know, unfortunately, I like to say you know we were the first, but there was an awful lot of pain with being the first. I mean, <laughs> there were so many issues back then. Um, we, we got several million dollars from uh, NYSERDA for, for the project, a uh, couple million dollars. Which NYSERDA, explain what that is. So uh, New York State uh, uh, Energy Research and Development Authority. Mm -hmm. And um, so they do, they're the ones that do a lot of um, uh, funding uh, for the state. And there, there used to be a program out there that, you know, you could end up getting several million dollars, you know, to do. It was basically a million a megawatt. And... Um, and that program ceased. Uh, they, you know, the state really pulled that back, and so that's why municipalities, have, I think, are farther behind than the private sector in terms of solar because the incentives that we were able to do this project with no longer exist. Um, they existed back in in 2012, 2013, 2014. Uh, they ceased to exist by the time I became supervisor. So I couldn't replicate that funding on that project today. Um, you know, and so. You know what you end up doing is you look for like things like power purchase agreements, and that. So that's basically what we did. There was no money out of pocket on our project. But Could this bond issue uh, be a substitute? And that's that's what I'm hope that's what I'm hopeful. So if the bond issue passes, you know, I would absolutely think that uh, uh, renewables and the pathway to renewables would be there. I would also think that um, probably there's a number of things that uh, you know with this, just in terms of hardening the infrastructure. 
uh, would also be available because there's a degree of sustainability with that. For example, one of the other things we did in Clarkstown was we, we acquired our streetlights. Uh, we didn't own our streetlights, um, so our streetlights were owned by the municipality, uh, by, uh, not by the municipality, but by Orange and Rockland. And, um, and so, you know, we were the first municipality on this side of the river between uh, New Jersey and Albany to actually purchase our streetlights back in 2016. So we purchased the, all the overhead, the ones that are directly wired, uh, the ones that are wired underground, where they're overhead wired, we purchased those. Onar didn't want to sell us the, the 900 or so underground ones. You know, they were considerably more expensive, uh, although we're talking to them about trying to buy those and convert them as well. But we bought 4,000 of our streetlights from, um, from O&R, and we converted them to LEDs. I would env env envision, you know, that there's some real cost savings there. There's also some, you know, um, it, it's sustainable because you're reducing uh, energy consumption, mm -hmm. and anything that reduces energy consumption is, is you know, you know, by uh, by definition, sustainable. It so, sounds familiar, Jerry. So it I would, I, I would certainly say th th those are the types of things I think the Bond Act would cover. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and we've done that. We've done that here. Uh, before I joined the village, uh, we did that. And my former municipality in southern New Jersey, um, we purchased all the uh, all the streetlights and converted them to LEDs. And our return on investment was uh, just uh, just over six years. Uh, and then uh, we also received a grant um, from uh, from the BPU there of one hundred and fifty thousand for doing that. So. It's a real fantastic program, and these kinds of programs, as long as the municipality has the management in place to be able to go after these kinds of programs, if they're not there, the elected officials can ask for them, and once we get them, once we secure them, then uh, I know that our staff, my staff here, can easily go after things like that, and I'm sure a lot of other municipalities have uh, good people working uh, working for them, just like Clarkstown and, and the village of Mamana. Okay, so we're talking about uh, uh, solar, we're talking about uh, um, reducing energy consumption. Tell me about EVs, gentlemen, uh, electronic vehicles. Uh, uh, you're running uh, electric vehicles uh, yeah. in, your, in your fleet? Yeah, so, um, so again, the, the costs on those are just so expensive. But uh, we started, we dipped our toe in the water. Now, we're the first uh, municipality and in, in, uh, first town out of the five towns in Rockland to actually have a, um, a power charging uh, station at our town hall. I put that in um, about three years ago now, a little over mm -hmm. three years ago, almost four years ago. And um, and actually through the ARPA money that we were able to receive. That's the... Um, the, uh, the funding, the COVID money that COVID came money, to the yeah, right. municipalities. Um, we purchased a couple of... Um, uh, we needed, as we're replacing some vehicles in the fleet, a couple mm -hmm. of uh, uh, Ford Mustangs. That's what we could get, you know, on state contract. They were still, <laughs> they were still expensive. You know, they were still, you know, um, over forty thousand dollars each. Um, but uh, my my building inspector loves it. It was funny. I was talking to him this week though, when I was coming on because we replaced his vehicle and he's going out to these inspections and he said. He told me, he said, supervisor, the hardest thing is realizing that the car is actually off or not off when, when, I'm, <laughs> when I'm driving because it's so quiet. Yeah. He said, it's also pretty quick, so I've got to make sure that I'm, I'm paying attention because you could very easily um, go too fast. And he said initially he hated it because he was just like, um, he had all these fallacies about, you know, driving the you know, an electric vehicle and, 
and and what have you, and, and some and it was some of the you know the the common misconceptions. And he said, now he loves it. And, so, and you, so you got your building inspector a Mustang. Yeah, yeah so my building inspector has a Mustang. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, um, and then we have one of our code enforcement officers, and one of and it's one of one of the code enforcement officers shares it, and, and um, the staff in my office will actually share the other one. It's a fleet vehicle okay. assigned to multiple departments, and we're we're looking for more. Um, you know, I, I wish Tesla would actually go on state contract because they're the most reliable, but they're just so phenomenally expensive. And obviously, you know, Jerry, as you know, when you go on to, uh, when you buy off a state contract, you, you know, before, you know, the auto market just went crazy, you would get significantly reduced, you know, uh, pricing. Mm -hmm. And so we're obviously going to be looking for more. And if the Bond Act goes through and there's, you know, incentives there, we would probably look to try and do more of a shift. I mean, initially, um, if, if it wasn't as expensive, we were going to take our ARPA money and we were going to, you know, try and work to to change 30 vehicles out in the fleet over a three-year period, which essentially would have changed out the town hall fleet, not the police department. Um, the electric vehicles are not really great for the police yet, just given the, all the electronics uh, the, the, that the police the, you know, cruisers need to need to have. But mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm hoping to get all of our town hall fleet changed over um, within the next uh, several years. That's something. And that's the same for us, Lou. Um, we're looking at the Mustangs for supervisor, police supervisor vehicles. Uh, we're also uh, looking at pickup trucks for our public works, parks, and our uh, uh, you know outside outside staff uh, for the electric pickup truck. Um, the expense. I mean, the supervisor is right. I mean, the expense is, is really you, know, you got sticker shock on top of sticker shock. But the truth is that uh, with the EV charging stations that we're bringing into the village and the fact that we have one uh, a double head uh, EV charging station right at our uh, village hall um, we are ready to start converting uh, to all electric. We've done very well with hybrid vehicles. We have uh, a fleet of Priuses and a fleet of hybrid uh, police vehicles interceptor police vehicles but um, we're about ready to, to, to start really making a commitment to electric vehicles. We only have one in this village, a truly electric vehicle, a Nissan Leaf, and everyone loves it, but um, there's only one. So it, uh, it yeah. passed around a lot. Yeah, I, I would echo that, um, you know, Lou and Jerry, that um, so we have a, we have a one Ford hybrid uh, pickup and we have the two um, uh, Mustangs, and, it, and we are looking at picking up a couple of others <coughs> in our next year's capital plan. So we'll probably have five to seven by, by uh, this time next year. The problem is is that they're just not as available. And then the cost, it's even from when we bought the Mustangs uh, just over a year ago, uh, the cost has gone up exponentially. Uh, you know, and then the police, you, you mentioned the police explorers. So like we have the um, hybrid explorers and they're great. I mean, they're, they, they're really fuel efficient. But you can't get them right now. You can't. Ford isn't even taking orders. Uh, Ford won't, Ford hasn't even announced the day that you could place an order for them. Um, so we're we're not going. You know, thankfully we always order ten a year, and we still have. Um, you know, because um, we have the largest town police department in the state. Um, most of the larger towns, bigger than us, in the state, uh, don't have police departments. They're in count. Like at most of the, most of the larger towns are are the way upstate uh, where there's a city, uh, you know, nearby or a county police force or out in Long Island. So um, we, we have the largest police department with 161 officers, and every year we, we have to buy 10 new, 10 new vehicles and we just, you know, stockpile <coughs> them. So 
We still have several from last year that are yet to be converted into the fleet, but this year we've authorized the purchase of 10, and we can't we can't even put the order in. I'm, I'm being told they think it's they think sometime in October we can place an order, and we'll probably get delivery in 2024. <laughs> Um, so it's just, it's just the chip the, the chip issue is a real problem with all of these vehicles. But um, that's why I'm hopeful that um, you know a lot of the car companies are doing more electric vehicles and different models, and I'm hopeful that um, that's going to kind of push forward because it, it seems like there might be more availability within the next 18 months on some electric vehicles than there are on some of the regular vehicles. Let's take a quick break here, uh, j just just to just to you know get some music in because I'm 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 having a music Jones here. Um, the, uh, 2007, uh, great environmental song, won an Academy Award. Do you know what that song was? 2007. Two, 2007. It was I need to wake up, Melissa Etheridge, <laughs> from uh, the uh, documentary An Inconvenient Truth <laughs> that won that year. All right, here it goes. Have I been sleeping? I've been so still, afraid of crumbling. Have I been careless? Dismissing all the distant rumblings. Take me where I am supposed to be. To comprehend the things that I can't see Cause I need to move I need to wake up I need to change I need to shake up I need to speak out Something's got to break up I've been asleep And as a child, I danced like it was 1999. My dreams were wild. The promise of this new world would be
Melissa Etheridge, 2007. I need to wake up because, uh, you know, the danger is real. Um, we're with uh, some uh, important municipal leaders on the radio here talking about uh, getting ready for climate resilience. On the phone, we got Jerry Barbario, who is the village manager of Mamaronek in um, Westchester County. Jerry, you still there? Yes, ma'am. Okay, and we've got George Holman, the supervisor of the town of Clarkstown in Rockland County. Happy to be here, Lou. Okay, and we have George Patanovic, who's got a question. Hey, hello. Uh, Jerry, welcome, and uh, also George Holman, Supervisor Holman from the town of Clarkstown. Um, I have a question regarding the high price tag of the electronic vehicles for municipal use. Um, even though they have a high initial price tag, do we end up seeing a savings uh, either in terms of fuel efficiency and or le less maintenance costs, from what I understand, electronic vehicles having less moving parts do require less maintenance. And I know that also you don't keep the cars as long, so I'd just like to know your thoughts about yeah. whether that's a benefit um, to the purchasing of more electronic vehicles. Yeah, no, ab ab absolutely. Um, so uh, the the maintenance costs are would be significantly down because literally um, you're not having to deal with some of the other moving parts that you're dealing with. Um, you know, the, the torque in these vehicles is incredible with, you know, so, but you're not dealing with like the, the some of the classic issues, you know, uh, that you'd be dealing with um, with a, a gas, you know, vehicle. There's so, no head gasket. Right. No, no generator. Right. There's, no right, there's, a, there's a whole, <laughs> right, there's a whole bunch of stuff with, with that that you're not dealing with. Yeah. So basically you're looking at, you know, washer fluid and, uh, and tires, you know, um, to, you know, to a certain extent. So there's definitely some savings there. Um, the problem is, is that um, for my municipal fleet, um, you know, and, and, you know, and I, I think I, I mentioned this, um, you know, before, but um, for my municipal fleet, um, as we, we were starting to look to change some of these vehicles out, some of the vehicles we're replacing were, you know, 9, 10, 12 years old, and they had well under 100,000 miles because mm -hmm. literally, you know, people would um, just driving them locally. They're not going on big, long trips for the most part. And it's it's you know, building inspector you know could have eight appointments six or eight appointments in a day, but they're all within five or ten miles. So you know if 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 they're putting I mean, you do the math if if, if they're putting um, they're working two hundred days you know two hundred and twenty days a year and, and they're putting twenty miles you know a day you know on the car you know um, time, you know times two hundred it's it's not a lot and, and so these vehicles you know in terms now. As an old as a vehicle ages, you have issues even if you don't have a lot of miles. So, um, so presumably there would be some savings, and presumably these are vehicles that we would be able to save and, and use, you know, for a, a, you know probably as long a period of time. So presumably there will be some savings. The problem is the delta between the cost of the gas vehicle um, in this market, right? Mm -hmm. Before COVID, um, the, the you know, vehicles were a lot, a lot cheaper. That Delta has sh shrunk a little bit, but the electric vehicles are still, still a good bit more expensive than than the non-electric vehicles. I'm just, I'm hopeful. Every car company um, is coming out with a whole fleet of different types of electric vehicles, and I'm just hopeful that with competition, it's going to draw bring the, the price down. You know, bring the bring the price down yeah. and make it a little more affordable. Well, Rivian just made a big uh, deal with uh, Amazon, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rivian Auto. Um, yeah, and you know the the thing that I know happen to know about with police cars is that that the the real strain on them is not miles but um, engine hours because the cars sit running a lot. 
mm-hmm. uh, and they sit running a lot because they need all that electricity. And the uh, irony, I guess it's an irony, that is that that the there's there's too much electric need in a police car for an electric vehicle to supply it because uh, the, the it wouldn't be running. You'd drain those batteries down and nothing. Oh, absolutely. It, it's funny because I'll hear. We'll hear from different residents who will be like, um, you know, why is, the, why is the cop sitting in the parking lot, you know, uh, at the school district? Well, you know, so he, he's gone and he's, he's gone on a, a handful of calls and he's going to do paperwork. So instead of pulling him, you know, off, literally it becomes a, the police car is a mobile office. And in our police cars, they have two different computer systems. Um, you know, literally um, you, you can't sit in the passenger seat in, the, in a police car. I mean, you're like crushed in because... Uh, they have two computer screens that are that are set up, and and they're, you know, people. Are, if they only knew what went into like, you know, the the aftermarket on a police car. Like we buy our police cars, uh, Ford Explorers. We've been getting them from this uh, company, Van Bortles Ford, in upstate New York, up a state contract for very many years, and um, and so we'll get the Explorers pretty cheap, you know, down in the down in the 30s. Um, you know, and then the aftermarket, the changeover with the lights and everything else. And the biggest thing is, it's two weeks, uh, literally, to to you know retrofit one of these police cars with my me- mechanics over in our police garage, and all the just the electric that they're running through, and and you know they have to. Uh, they, Too much demand for the electric. Yeah, it's, and it's just there's no way. I mean, because we've looked at it. Yeah. Now I know I've had conversations with Schultz Ford um, up here. And uh, they actually—they are actually—they um, have a contract. Um, they're one of the companies that's supplying the New York City Police Department. Now, the New York City Police Department is buying a bunch of these Mustangs, but they're not buying them for the intended use that we would use them for. They're—they're uh, they're more for like um, their traffic enforcement. They don't need all the equipment. They don't need all the equipment that we do. All right, all right. I want to change the subject here quickly. Monarch butterfly. <laughs> Monarch butterfly is now endangered Mm -hmm. and um and you know we can do something about that um can't we jerry (laughs) in fact uh, um our mayor uh, thomas murphy uh signed a pledge to commit to uh um, trying to help the issue of uh, of our mouth butterfly that that and that involves um milkweed right planting milkweed um which will um Feed, of course, the, the butterfly, allow it to have uh, a proper habitat um, uh, as a result, and also um, to try to do something locally in urban and suburban areas uh, that typically people wouldn't think about. Yeah, because we used to consider um, milkweed to be a, a weed. We'd, mm-hmm. we'd get rid of it, right? We'd pull it out, you know, plant a geranium or something, right? You know, And uh, meanwhile, uh, you know, we're... Not helping out those uh, beautiful butterflies, and they travel. They go Mexico to Canada, right? right. They, they 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 go a long way. So, any event um, uh, that that I've I've uh, I've been read in on that a lot. There's uh, the the pollinator gardens, yes, and uh, and milkweed and, uh, and for bees too. Interesting. Yeah. So, so interestingly, yeah. when we were talking about the solar array at the landfill in Mamaroneck, that uh, you put a pollinator garden underneath it, and all of a sudden everybody loved the idea. Uh, whether or not they were interested in solar panels. <laughs> so, you know, everybody loves butterflies, so there you go. You know, that, that reminds me, Lou, of... Um, so I've been, I've been looking at a lot of stuff that's happening in different parts of the country, and with the, with the high heat, 
um, that, that's taking place. Phoenix, Arizona is really doing something very interesting now where they're trying to create cool zones. Yes. And, and so one of the things, I mean, aside from they're doing, they're treating their asphalt to try and make it look gray. Yeah. They're also painting the roads. I, I, I'm not I'm not so sold on, on, on that that you know painting the roads but uh, but they're they're doing a pigmentation in the asphalt to make it gray um, to reflect the heat to reflect the, you know um, um, which which it's just kind of common sense everybody knows the darker colors are more you know will, will you know um, yeah. Um, yeah. you know be attracted with the heat but uh, the other thing they're doing which I thought is very interesting is they're doing uh, different types of plantings. Um, in, uh, in more of the urban areas around some of the roadways um, that has the dual uh, purpose of reducing uh, heat in that area um, and also um, it's enabling, you know, some um, from their perspective, it's enabling them also to have um, the opportunity for different uh, wildlife uh, to be able to um, uh, benefit from it. So instead of having these areas that were clear cut um, near some of the roadways, they're actually uh, planting almost like a, a, I would call it an urban forest, and it's a di different mm -hmm. types of, of of trees that uh, can sustain the heat. Uh, that and it's reducing the electric, uh, uh, reducing the heat, which is uh, also um, helping the wildlife in the area, and it's also helping with the uh, re uh, retainage of some of the water in the area yeah. as well. So of course, of course you know now now, white or gray roads make sense in Arizona, mm -hmm. but up here. That wouldn't be good in the wintertime because we want, in wintertime, right. we want the, yeah. <laughs> the roads to absorb the heat yeah. right. to melt the ice. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking of exactly the same subject driving here. Suffering Lane was just paved coming down here, brand, brand new blacktop. And yeah. I'm thinking if it wasn't black, you could tell the heat coming off of it. You could yeah. really feel yeah. it in the car. But I'm thinking, how practical is that but to we, really change the color of black? Yeah, even it's, even it's a petroleum with, product. Even right. with global warming, we yeah. still have winter. So. We still have yeah. winter, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, uh, so l let me ask uh, uh, our two municipal. Uh, uh, CEOs, I guess, right? They, you yeah. know, uh, um, uh, what else is on your wish list? If that four billion dollars becomes available from the uh, state a bond issue, infrastructure, uh, 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 the environmental bond issue at the end of the year, um, what kind of grants are your people going to be writing? What What do you want, uh, Jerry? Let me start with you. So, um, from my understanding, um, there's there's uh, potentially a hundred million dollars available for uh, flood risk reduction projects, uh, storm surge and flooding mitigation. That's a, a, a giant issue for us. That's the number one issue here for us. Um, we talked about solar arrays. We're also looking at um, you know, the coastal shoreline uh, restoration uh, and, and mitigation. But there's also small things in there um, that uh, these uh, billions of dollars could potentially uh, help us with, and that's urban forestry. That's planting more trees. Um, and potentially um, cooling down that, that blacktop uh, also um, uh, includes about $250 million of stormwater, municipal stormwater projects and, and about $200 million of wastewater infrastructure uh, projects. Right now here in the village, we are um, uh, almost completed with our first phase of $5.5 Oh, I'm, I'm, uh, we're losing you a little, Jerry. We're losing you, Jerry. Oh, we're, we're almost finished with um, our wastewater project of about $5.5 million and ready to start another $3 million project. And so what's happening is um, we're looking for money in every area in order to help us pay for that. 
right. So you're talking about um, uh, lots of flood um, mitigation, which includes, I guess, storm sewer and, 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 and that sort of thing, too. Shorelines, you said, solar. Uh, urban forestry, that's interesting because um, that's, that's um, soft infrastructure, right? It, it is, and we've been using village money for that. Um, if we could get grant money to help us with that, uh, we try to spend between um, fifty and a hundred thousand a year. Uh, mm-hmm. Many times we challenged to, to do all that work, um, but um, if we had grant money with timelines and deadlines, we would definitely get it done. All right. Um, all right. How about you, George? So um, the, all all of the above, everything Jerry mentioned. You know, um, obviously, with you guys being a coastal community, we're not. So. Um, our flood mitigation would be a different type of flood mitigation. We're doing a lot of work in that area right now because the 50 and 100 year storms and 500 year mm-hmm. storms, um, you know, are, w- are well more than 50, 100, and 500 years. I mean, um, we've had um, incredible flood damage in different areas, and we've done a lot of flood mitigation already. But we've got a bunch of areas that we'd have to look to do. Now it's it's targeted neighborhoods. I mean, I just did the Klein Avenue levy in West Nyack. There was a project that had been talked about for years. Uh, most of that was covered with uh, with a federal grant. That, you know, um, you know, Congressman Jones was able to resecure a grant that we got from Nita Lowy, which essentially paid for 90 um, percent of the project, 95 percent of the project. That was great, and we literally saved a neighborhood. And all the flooding, you know, since that, that's, that all the bad rainstorms and hurricanes last last summer, that took place where we had other areas that historically flooded, this area didn't flood, so it it can work when you do it. So I've got a number of areas with that. Solar, um, you know, we're going to be doing an expansion of our highway garage, and um, so I certainly would be looking to tap into solar over there. You know, my goal in Clarkstown would be, given that we have the solar solar field, and I'm doing solar now on our, our town hall within the next year, um, the highway garage, the police department, and our f- four community centers, and we've kind of gamed it out. And if we do all of those projects, and we're able to do them within the next two to three years, um, the government, the municipal operations for the town will be completely off the grid. We will produce more electricity than the government operations utilize in the in the in the town of Clarkstown. So that's what I'm hoping to do, and I think the Bond Act. If it passes, you know that we would aggressively go after some of that funding uh, to try and do that. I also love the idea. You know, I have Congress Lake, which is one of the most beautiful parks in in, in the region, not just in our town, but it's it's gorgeous. And uh, there's a number of areas over there where we've got some uh, dead trees. This whole ash borer thing that that is killing the ash trees in the region. And I and I would love to you know be a little ahead of the curve on that. We had a microburst before I became town supervisor, and and the former supervisor never really addressed that area. So mm-hmm. during the winter time, if you drive along Route 303 and you look over at Congress Lake, um, it just it looks terrible when the leaves are off the trees because there's just literally maybe a hundred trees that are down. Um, you know, some some that are leaning, and it's not an area that people people drive by on the one side, and there's a, a path on the other side, but it, it's acres and acres of of compromised trees and dead trees, and and um, I would love to clean that entire area up. We, you know, it's about a million dollars just on the tree work, and then we'd love to replant it. So that's probably a special project that we'd like to go get some funding for to do. Right. Uh, and then just other infrastructure pieces, like I said, uh, you know, 
We've basically converted just about everything to LEDs, but um, I'd like to see if there's opportunities for batteries, battery storage mm -hmm. uh, with, the, with the solar. So that, that's what we would be looking to do. You know, I, I'd heard uh, and um, people talking about the aftermarket for car batteries would be in that kind of storage because uh, the batteries at some point may no longer be adequate to run a car but they'll store some electricity, and mm -hmm. if you stack them up uh, near a solar array, you can you can they'll continue secondary to uses. Secondary use, mm -hmm. yeah, they would have a value there. Mm -hmm. um, all right, this is uh, this is exciting stuff. I mean, uh, I uh, makes me feel a little a little uh, hopeful. But ultimately, uh, are we uh, are we optimistic, pessimistic, worried, or confident? You know, I think it's an important question, and I'd like to hear with both of our guests have to say about it because you know we think about the bigger picture of climate change we see what's happening in the west <laughs> the temperatures look at europe i mean it's crazy and yet sometimes we think of it as somebody else's problem not necessarily ours you know here what can we say that to local residents to say this is an important thing for us to address locally you know through our local town governments and, and municipalities because that's part of the picture you know what i mean and, and what's the sense of urgency you know it's always something like how urgent is this you know we see the problems, and yet it's 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 a big problem. It's a large problem that we have to address, and we're trying to address it locally um, through these measures. So, so how are you feeling about the, the big picture, long picture, George? So, so I, I'm, you know, I, I'm an optimistic person. So, so I, you know, I'm always optimistic. I, I think, I do think that there there are funding streams um, that are coming through, whether this bond act passes or not I happen to think it probably will pass but um, but I do I, I do feel like um, with the weather issues that have taken place it's certainly gotten more people's attention and I think uh, because of that I think it's it's um, it's kind of pushed um, uh, is pushing certain people you know to to take it more seriously and and so, yeah, I, I'm, there's a real I'm more cost to this locally. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing the cost directly, right, in your oh, town. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We're saying that we're, we're dealing with a problem that's going to cost us either way. We might mm -hmm. as well deal with it and try to solve it, right? Right. So, no, yeah. absolutely. Listen, I mean, I can't tell you, you know, how many residents from uh, the Klein Avenue area in West Nyack reached out to me right. after uh, the the hurricanes last summer because the project was was finishing up and. Mm -hmm. You know, we put in these two major pumps, and we raised the levee by four feet. And this is areas like you can go back to the '60s, and you could see uh, New York television stations coming up and doing stories. And oh, those news. guys! Yeah, those guys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, Lou. I don't know if you ever met any of those guys, but uh, uh, some yeah, of yeah. some some of those guys. But yeah, literally, vultures, circling, vultures just coming up, circus yeah. coming up, and poor people lost everything. And how do you feel? Let me. Let me stick the mic in your face. Well, you know, the funny thing, and Jerry will tell you this, I, I, uh, I live in Mimarinic, you know, and, and uh, I work with Jerry, you know, full disclosure. And, um, uh, and the first time I, um, I, I was at that Mimarinic was to cover a flooding story, yeah. right? And, and they said, oh, we got a plan for dealing with it. And then, but I, every couple of years, I was coming back again. I said, "What happened to the plan?" Yeah. And then I, I found myself living there. I said, well, "There was never a plan." You know, they, yeah. well, they have the, the plan was there, but they never did anything. Uh, you still there, Jerry? I'm still here. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, well, I, I have so, so, so this, so two things I want to say, and thanks, Supervisor, because because we really, um, it's really great to know that the communities, uh, uh, towns, and villages are on the same wavelength, and that's very reassuring because uh, people need to know that. Um, we have the same issues, we have the same problems, and a lot of credit goes to Governor Hochul, 
who, um, in, in last year, I think in the fall of last year, um, amended this bond issue to add a, a million dollars. I mean, originally it was like three billion. A billion. I'm right? sorry, billion. Yeah, yeah, billion. Three billion. It's now it's now four point two. So there's going to be a lot of money available, um, and and I'm fairly certain that it'll pass because if you look at and, and Lou knows my history with uh, Nassau County uh, in the 90s, and uh, that I study, that I study government for a long, long time. In 1990, there was an Environmental Bond Act that failed, and and the reason I think it failed is because uh, it said that it was to authorize the creation of state debt to provide monies for preservation, enhancement, restoration, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you put state debt in any bond issue, everyone's going to everyone's going to vote it down. But in this one here, it's to address and combat impact, the impact of climate change and the damage to our environment. Everyone has to be for that. And so I'm very confident that it's, that it's going to pass, and I'm glad that it increased by $1.2 billion. And, and without getting into any, any partisan labels here, because we've unofficially... You know what? I never, it's, uh, I never said hello to Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Ke- Kevin's been here the whole time, and I and I, I completely dissed you, pal. I was wondering who that guy was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, it's all good. Well, anyway, we have we have rules about we we don't we don't allow uh, uh, um, a, a lot. What what don't we allow, Kevin? Oh uh, well, we don't say liberal, we don't say conservative, we don't say Republican or Democrat. There you go. If you do, you get this. <laughs> okay, so that's so that's that's that. So I can I can say this. That in this conversation we have now, uh, we we're covering um, uh, both major camps uh, mm-hmm. in this, right? So, so uh, the thing I mightily, mightily want to uh, um, convince people of that this is not partisan. It's not a left or right mm-hmm. issue. It's absolutely existential. Mm-hmm. And if we don't take care of it, nothing else we're talking about will matter. Right. And there's environmental and economic benefits, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah. job creation. So, as well. so that's that's. I, I, I think we we agree on that, right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. And it's yeah. and it's not just it's not just job creation, because you know there 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 is jobs with that. But it's 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 you know brass tacks saving money. Mm-hmm. Look by by us doing what we did in my town with the LED streetlights, I saved a million dollars a year, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's a million dollars more, you know. Um, you know, in funding that I don't have to raise because I'm saving a million dollars because we reduced energy consumption. The solar field, you know, mm-hmm. I'm saving, you know, direct you know, savings. Yeah, the solar field is saving like seven million dollars over like 20 years. It's a revenue time. source, and, and, and it's a revenue source as well. And 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 as electric rates have, have dramatically gone up, we're saving huge amounts of money there. We haven't even talked about community choice uh, aggregation. Mm-hmm which my town did mm-hmm. uh, with Orange Town with several of the villages. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in just just over uh, 15 months, uh, the businesses and homes in Clarkstown that now participate in that mm-hmm. are saving over $2 million. Mm-hmm. So that's a sizable amount of money, mm-hmm. you know, that's, you know, and now people, you know, they, the average homeowner is saving 200 bucks, you know, over the course of a year. Not a lot of money, but 200 here, 200 there. Yeah, all it, it, it all community up. choice aggregation. Real quick, before we're at the top, get to the, we did a whole hour here already. <laughs> Can you uh, we're it? at the top of the hour, and, and, and we got Reverend Billy in the uh, Church of Stop Shop and coming up uh, in, in, a, in a minute. But uh, community choice aggregation, one of you guys explain it, please, for the uh, audience. Sure, so very, very simple. So um, I'll do it as quickly as I can. So basically, um, you uh, anybody uh, on your electric bill, you have a, a delivery charge and you have a, a supplier charge. Mm-hmm. And um, 
unless you've gotten an energy supply company uh, to be the supplier for you, uh, the local uh, energy supply company is the default supplier. So New York State allows municipalities to do a, a public process where you pass a local law, you can then uh, go out and contract and bring in a energy supplier that becomes the default supplier for anybody that hasn't cho hasn't chosen yeah. uh, an ESCO. Mm -hmm. So about se surveys show about 75 percent of all people th they don't they just stick with they don't even look at it they, they don't yeah. they yeah. don't get an energy supplier. We did it and in, in in our project we did it. We went with the green power energy, so and then you and then you have the option to opt out, and people can opt out, and so it's so same thing, same thing in Maranek, right, Jerry? Correct, same exact thing. Okay, right. and you're getting yeah. a good savings. You mentioned the well, well, can, well, well, well over well over two million um, for those that stayed with Orange. If, if everybody had stayed with Orange and Rockland, they would have paid two million dollars more collectively in about fifteen months. But it still ain't cheap because energy is yeah. expensive, gentlemen. Well, we got to do a station ID here real quick, and then we'll be back in a moment. AM 1700, WRCR, Haverstraw. Welcome back. Tough Times with Lou Young, WRCR, 1700 AM and WRCR.com. Uh, we are talking about climate change. We've been talking with uh, Jerry Barbario, uh, village manager from Maranek, George Homan, the town supervisor of um, uh, Clarkstown. And um, uh, you guys can call in out there. Um, if, if you're listening on the 23rd of July, you can call in 845-429-1700 and ask these guys a question if you want after uh, Reverend Billy gets done with his, uh, with his thing. Now, he's got a lot going on here. This is a, this is a show that uh, it's kind of a document because uh, um, the uh, eco-riot radio thing that he does, uh, this was recorded right after the um, Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade, so they were a little... Uh, bummed out about that you may have a different opinion but that's uh, just uh, giving you a heads up on that and um, uh, the overarching anxiety about uh, climate change though remains uh, even even when the thing dearest to your heart or or the, your, your biggest uh, political issue uh, is being debated or, or overturned climate change can make all that moot because if we don't survive don't matter. So uh, uh, this is a show called Violent Supremes, and um, it is a uh, bit of a more musical question. You know, uh, are you ready? Like we had before, we had Pacific Gas and Electric asking, "Are you ready?" Uh, but now here is uh, Reverend Billy and the Church of Stop Shopping.
Welcome to Earth Riot Radio. I'm Reverend Billy, and this is the Earth Church. We meet in the Lower East Side of New York City every Sunday at 5 p.m. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a preview of this week's sermon. This is called Reflections on a Week from Hell. You know what week I'm talking about? The one just concluded? Well, maybe it's still going on. We'll find out. A curious thing happened on the way to the 11th rally and march. (laughs) We shouted ourselves silly with anger until we lost our voices, but then we found a way of seeing and hearing each other. And as the Supreme Court defeated us day after day, issue after issue, ruling after ruling, we decided to leave some things behind and join a migration slipping over boundaries into neighboring issues. For instance, the women fighting assault weapons in the hands of children did not stop marching when Roe was defeated. Such women were the hosts of the gigantic rallies of that first day with the fresh pain of Buffalo and Uvalde, Texas. And we shouted language, and we thought we'd never be Topped. We just shouted and shouted, but then the road defeat came. And that retuned our saxophones. And we kept shouting out into the void, shouting with each other. The big time lawyers in robes demanded that the reproductive body of women become legal property of their state religion. And so we, together, as we shouted, we were watching the violence of guns and Roe, swirling together in a bitter stew. The day one issue, and the day two issue, and the day three issue, we were being taken painfully beyond issues-based thinking. There were so many of them, and they combined. Pretty soon, the strong force of the universe was emerging, the commonalities of all our justice struggles brought on a new kind of clarity. We were pulled back to a panopticon of real life so that we could see everybody's justice work equally, a radical democratizing of our vision. Some groups were ready, more ready than others, for this multi-issue attack by the Supremes. A woman in Gays Against Guns, for instance, had more anticipation of the wild ride of this week. From the two-issue perspective of Gays Against Guns, she may have seen this coming because she followed her compassion by freely roaming from one cause identity to another and back again. She could attend the super rallies each day and go from issue to issue without suffering the dizziness that some of us were suffering, a kind of vertigo, a vertigo of too much justice. Oh my God, what a week. For a lot of us, the positive intersectionality was just very intense, even bewildering. In speeches, it was bewildering for speakers too. They were searching for words to include everybody, include all the issues. After this week, 
Will the 70 separate lefty issues on our computer every morning become one single way of life? Yes, there's, there's an encouraging hope in all this. During Pride Weekend, we saw speakers searching for phrases to explain the radical reach of one larger thing that includes every issue. A whole not smaller than its parts. Amen? Am I reaching some clarity here? <laughs> Am I making sense? We might hear a new language from speakers with sound systems, or we might have a breakthrough come to us from a friend speaking nearby, maybe overhear a story building and building throughout the week with more and more inclusion of more sub-languages surfacing into the sunlight Changing every day. Oh, this week from hell. Hard work. And as Pride Weekend began, here comes another slew of issues. The design of daily hate came down upon us and started colliding with this celebration we expected to have. We thought we had established some laws of love Marriages between any kind of desire, any kind of gender. Roe versus Wade seemed to threaten those time-honored new freedoms. At one point, the drag march collided with the 10 blocks long Roe march of women. It happened at 5th Avenue and 9th Street. The carnivale of glitter and men in dresses and dance music crossing the island east to west from the East Village to Stonewall was broadsiding the 25,000 women heading uptown to Times Square. But then as the groups merged, friends started calling out each other's names, and some folks swapped parades. What a week. godchildren and I've got nephews and nieces and I care about the world they're going to live in and it strikes me as obscene not that they're going to have a lower standard of living and a harder time buying houses because all that's bad enough but that the very fabric and structure and feel of the world will be awful for them unless we start to take steps real steps and they're the ones who are leading us to taking those steps and they're doing it in a very impressive way I think it's loud and it's disruptive we should stop and think about the word disruption for a moment do you remember when Facebook started Zuckerberg said move fast and break things break things is anglo-saxon for disruption disruption just means breaking disruption can can be a, an awful thing it can ruin the way the world is but there's another form of disruption, which is to stop the world going down the wrong path, to disrupt a destructive journey. And that's what Extinction Rebellion, for example, does. And of course it's maddening. 
Who wants to be stuck in a traffic jam, not being able to cross a bridge, not being able to use a motorway, not being able to get home for this holiday or to see their family or all kinds of legitimate and utterly reasonable excuses for being maddened by Extinction Rebellion. Just put yourselves 10 or 15 years in the future and look around a ruined landscape where there's violence and unpleasantness and instability and a kind of Mad Max horror threatening. And then say, damn, it was a nuisance when I couldn't cross that bridge. Hmm? The fact is, you sometimes have to sacrifice the present to save the future. Hello, welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. New Caledonian humpback whales in the west of Australia learn songs from their counterparts from Australia's east coast with remarkable accuracy. This really indicates a level of cultural transmission beyond any observed non-human species, lead author Jenny Allen said. We found they actually learned the exact sounds without simplifying or leaving anything out. And each year we observed them, they sang a different song. So it means humpback whales can learn an entire song pattern from another population very quickly, even if it's complex or difficult. The findings support the idea that songs are being learned by whales on shared migration routes or shared feeding grounds like Antarctica. Data and social scientists from the University of Chicago have developed a new algorithm that forecasts crime by learning patterns in time and geographic locations from public data on violent and property crimes. The model can predict future crimes one week in advance with about 90% accuracy. Concerns about police bias in response and enforcement were also analyzed in the study. Researchers were careful to note that the tool's accuracy does not mean that it should be used to direct law enforcement, with police departments using it to swarm neighborhoods proactively to prevent crime. Researchers have developed a small, soft, flexible implant that relieves pain on demand and without the use of drugs. The first-of-its-kind device could provide a much-needed alternative to opioids and other highly addictive medications. It works by softly wrapping around nerves to deliver precise, targeted cooling, which numbs nerves and blocks pain signals to the brain. After the device is no longer needed, it naturally absorbs into the body, bypassing the need for surgical extraction. Cambridge researchers studying cognition, behavior, and the brain have concluded that people with dyslexia are specialized to explore the unknown. This is likely to play a fundamental role in human adaptation to changing environments. Scientists think this explorative bias has an evolutionary basis and plays a crucial role in our survival. Based on these findings, which were apparent across multiple domains, from visual processing to memory and at all levels of analysis, the researchers argue that we need to change our perspective of dyslexia as a neurological disorder. Lead author Dr. Helen Taylor said, We believe that the areas of difficulty experienced by people with dyslexia result from a cognitive trade-off between exploration of new information and exploitation of existing knowledge, with the upside being an explorative bias that could explain enhanced abilities observed in certain realms like discovery, invention, and creativity. Reindeer eyes undergo physical change as the seasons turn, which allows them to see clearly in the long winter twilight. Wolves and reindeer improve their sensitivity to arctic twilight with a mirror behind the retina. When light enters the eye and passes through the retina, not all of it is detected and absorbed by specialized neurons called photoreceptors. 
The mirror instead reflects it back through the retina for a second time, when more light will be detected. The reindeer sees an image that is brighter but slightly fuzzier because the mirror scatters some light sideways, a bit like a misted glass. This is an advantage in dim light because the animal relies more on visual contrast and motion than visual sharpness. The mirror, called the tapetum lucidum, or shining carpet, evolved independently in many animals. Important exceptions include humans and raptors who need crisp images. The research showed that reindeer eyes undergo a unique seasonal change in its tapetum lucidum and change color, reflecting gold turquoise light in the summer and mirroring deep blue in the twilight of winter. Through intricate study of cave deposits in Spain, geologists identified a rapid rise in sea level that started during the Industrial Revolution. Rapid advances in industrial technology mark an inflection point in our climate. According to the research, the sea level has risen 18 centimeters since the start of the 20th century. The team found evidence of a previously unknown 20-centimeter sea level rise that occurred nearly 3,200 years ago, when ice caps melted naturally over the course of 400 years at a rate of 0.5 millimeters per year. Otherwise, despite major climatic events like medieval warm period and the Little Ice Age, the sea level remained exceptionally stable until 1900. The results reported in our study are alarming, said lead author Bogdan P. Onak. The sea level rise since the 1900s is unprecedented when compared to the natural change in ice volumes over the last 4,000 years. This implies that if global temperatures continue to rise, sea levels could eventually reach higher levels than scientists previously estimated. A species of sea urchin in the Mediterranean Sea will be able to live in our future climate-changed seas, while other animals will die as the waters become hotter and more acidic. Urchins, already one of the most abundant animals in the Mediterranean, will likely plunder further afield as oceans continue to warm and become more acidic. The Mediterranean Sea is warming 20% faster than the global average, with predicted warming of up to 5.8 degrees Celsius by 2100. When urchin numbers swell disproportionately, they ravage kelp forests and algae, causing the demise of other species that rely on kelp for food or shelter. What's left, a rocky, sandy, urchin-filled seafloor, is known as an urchin barren. War is likely humanity's major driver of social complexity. Researchers identified 17 different variables that influence socio-political complexity and devised an algorithm to determine which of these is the biggest driver of this process. Summarizing their findings, the authors wrote that this analysis identified an unexpectedly simple web of causation in which the chief drivers of increasing social complexity and scale are agriculture and warfare. Breaking the data down further, they explained that the advent of just two military technologies, namely iron weapons and cavalries, appear to eclipse all other factors as the greatest facilitators of social complexity in human history. Military technologies have triggered the expansion of three specific aspects of civilization, these being the size of the territory occupied by a society, the intricacy of the ruling hierarchy, and the emergence of specialized bureaucratic and legal institutions. A recent rise in the number of earthquakes experienced in Texas over the last decade are likely due to oil and gas production, including the highly contentious practice of hydraulic fracturing or fracking. Tracking all of the earthquakes of magnitude 1.5 and above from 2017 to 2020, the study found 68% of them were directly linked to activity in oil and gas, whether it be direct hydraulic fracturing or dumping the wastewater into geological formations. 
And now, the sounds of extinction. The Supreme Court of the United States has limited how the nation's main anti-air pollution law, the Clean Air Act, can be used to reduce carbon dioxide emissions from power plants, specifically coal power plants. By a 6-3 vote, with conservatives in the majority, the court said that the Clean Air Act does not give the Environmental Protection Agency broad authority to regulate greenhouse gas emissions from power plants that contribute to global warming. The court held that Congress must speak with specificity when it wants to give an agency authority to regulate on an issue of major national significance. The ruling is seen as a major blow to climate policy in the U.S. and will have far-reaching consequences on any effort to regulate corporations. And here, the sounds of greenhouse gas emissions. Silence. On the seventh day, the Earth Church, we had our own bad ruling. The court gutted the EPA and gave the okay to the polluters and the big carbon emitters like our devils, Chase Bank, Exxon. Now the federal government can't stop the hatred of life itself. I guess it's up to us now, right? Somebody give me an earth hallelujah. So we went down to Foley Square, the site of the New York State Supreme Court, to the rally and march that, for which we felt some responsibility. And all our collegial friends were there from sunrise to Extinction Rebellion. Instead of 25,000 people, there were about 500 of us. And everyone was so exhausted, we could hardly stand. But we had been working hard. Each of our groups carried its own history of love, struggling for the earth against the traditions of fear. The Supremes, they are betting that we will just enter our cages of hate, like good little consumers, like good little obedient religious believers. But it may be that they have created, without knowing it, a general hybrid, a new kind of justice seeker made of all the causes. This week we may have become the supermajority. Now I want to preach. And it started with our colliding marches, with the new direct action supergroups that will rise out of this tumult. Some of us thought that if the left ever got together in unity, it would be the Earth's crisis that would do that. And that may still be the case, but we learned this week that we are in this, all of us in this together. 
No issue is the mother of all issues, but all the issues live in one issue. We will continue to reside with our skills within the work that we do best, but without walls. No walls anymore. Sorry, Donald Trump and your justices. And now the next march, the 4th of July, we celebrate our independence from the laws that separate us. Podcast within a podcast. You're listening to us. This is uh, Tough Times with Lou Young. 
and we run that inside the show. <laughs> so that's uh, that's like a little conundrum there, a little, uh, an, an enigma. All right, there's the Stop Shopping Chorus, Reverend Bill Talon. And, um, yeah, I get a kick out of them, you know? So anyway, if you got any uh, questions about... Uh, about that or reaction to it because it's unusual stuff 845-429-1700 if as long as it's uh, July 23rd where you are Uh, otherwise as I mentioned at the top you'll need special equipment to call us and uh, here in the past time travel uh, well wait there's a call maybe it's let's see if it's coming from the future or or, uh, 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 who's there hey it's me it's Deb oh it's 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 my it's my lovely spouse. Deborah. How are you? Yeah. Well, I'm coming from the present because um, even though the Reverend Billy said something about you have to sacrifice the present to welcome the future, um, I'm here. Okay. I'm here. <laughs> what do you, you 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 you've heard him before, haven't you? Oh God, he's always so informative and entertaining. <laughs> and thought-provoking, and yeah. many other adjectives. Yes, yes, he, he it's he, he's a he's a very very interesting guy, very interesting. Um, uh, he has been doing that about uh, twenty years. Well, uh, for the audience members, I know you know that, Deborah. But uh, yeah, I love him. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, and he's been a, a you know. He's been. I've been a fan of his ever since he he used to go to uh, to the places where um, they didn't allow assembly right after nine eleven. Mm-hmm. They didn't want anybody gathering down there for any reason, and uh, and he uh, objected to that. So he he went down there and uh, did kind of like flash mobs where they all in unison read the First Amendment, and then would get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> the judge would say, "What were they saying?" And they said, "They were saying Congress shall make no law." And the judge would say, "Dismiss, just get out of here." <laughs> so yep. it was it was amusing. Uh, so uh, he he making the point in a very uh, very pointed way. So um, uh, that was back when um, Mayor Giuliani didn't want those gatherings. Oh yeah, yeah. He was well, you know, we he uh, there were glimmers there. I mean, he was still pretty. Normal back then, I guess. Yeah, but uh, yeah. there were there were glimmers of, of trouble mm. back then, even. Yeah. So um, uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. So that's what we're talking. Anyway, we were talking. Uh, um, uh, George Holman is here with us in the studio, mm-hmm. and um, uh, uh, George, say hi to Deborah. Hi, hey. Deborah. Nice to hi. Nice, nice to meet you um, virtually over the radio. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to meet you. George is the supervisor from Clarkstown. And mm-hmm. uh, you, of course, you know George Patanovic is here as well. Hello, Deborah. It's mm-hmm. nice to meet you. Hey. So we got, we got George's. And then on the phone, we got Jerry Barbario. You know Jerry. Oh, of course. <laughs> so, you know, we're talk- and we're talking about what, how to spend the $4 billion that we expect will be approved of the bond issue at the end of the year. And uh, uh, these, uh, these two gentlemen, George and uh, Jerry, have uh, great ideas. So... Um, you know, we need to uh, figure out how to uh, make our communities mm-hmm. um, resilient. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the bond, this bond, um, is to specifically be directed to what? It's well, it's it's uh, um, uh, gentlemen. Why don't you why don't you explain it to Deb? Uh, Jerry, I, I mean, sure. what's the bond issue for? So, so Deb, it's called the Clean Water, Clean Air, and Green Job Environmental Bond Act of 2022. And what it does is um, it potentially gives municipalities, state, counties, $4.2 billion to fund environmental protection, natural restoration, resiliency, clean energy projects 
And I think, although I have the details and my eye on a lot of this project, of a lot of this money, mm-hmm. I think it potentially creates like a hundred thousand jobs. Mm-hmm. I'm not oh, yeah. exactly sure on that number. That's what um, uh, what Julie Tai from the um, mm-hmm. uh, League of Conservation Voters uh, a couple of weeks ago we had her on. She she said over and over again, a hundred thousand jobs. I said a hundred thousand jobs, really? Yes, she goes, yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, that that sounds good. And um, yeah, and so so Jerry's been talking about what he likes. Uh, George, you got you got your own wish list, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we were talking about solar um, on our uh, on a number of our buildings. Uh, one thing I didn't mention: um, we actually have an, an aging fleet of mini trans buses. Uh, we're the only town that actually has a, a bus service in Rockland County, mm-hmm. and so I would love to try and trade some of those out for. Um, much, uh, much uh, more efficient vehicles, uh, as well, and potentially look at um, look at this as, as part of the process, uh, as well as a whole bunch of flood uh, mitigation and other re- you know resiliency projects as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know that's that's uh, where we've been going with this. Uh. Well, I think it's the absolute most opportune time for all of this to be happening because mm-hmm. I think um, this moment. This year has galvanized and convinced people that things need to happen mm-hmm. and need to happen quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what, and I'm actually really intrigued about that number of jobs that mm-hmm. it will create. So I would think that people would also really welcome that. It's not just, you know, putting money towards whatever, you know, smaller. Um, interests are. Mm-hmm. It's real. It's creating jobs. It's mm-hmm. actually going to happen. Yeah. Well, uh, you know. So we're um, we're hoping it's not too late. Yeah. I guess uh, that's that's it. And it's offsetting costs. This is George. Offsetting costs that we would normally have to pay anyway. I mean, we're going to continue to pay for the cost um, of climate change, right? The impact on storm storm damage and and flood, mm-hmm. flooding. So we're we're paying that now, and to correct it, to actually put money into uh, corrective action. I'd, I'd like to also make sure that our future land use policies don't get us into some of the same situations because some of these problems have resulted from, you know, building too close to water sources and stuff like that that years ago we didn't consider fully. So I'm hoping that this is also followed by changes in yeah. how we do things so that we don't repeat the same problems and end up, you know, doing the same thing again. What do you What do you like about this, Kevin? Well, I, I like the fact uh, that all of this is in place because uh, it is happening, and uh, uh, you know, to ignore it would be to our peril. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, you see a lot of the uh, simulations of uh, what could potentially happen to uh, coastlines and whatnot uh, over the uh, next 20, 30, 40 years. I mean, uh, it, it could look like a much different place, yeah. and uh. Hopefully, it doesn't take something like that happening before we really wake up. That's a Kevin Thomas, by the way. I didn't. I didn't. I just said Kevin. And people are like Kevin. No, mm-hmm. he's been here. The, he's been here the whole time. <laughs> he, he makes a, He makes it all happen. The, you know the um, uh, with heat waves, um, uh, and this is something that uh, that I know uh, our municipal leaders here uh, uh, think about. Uh, uh, you have to um, now provide. Uh, cooling centers because mm-hmm. you, you may need to save people's lives. In other words, somebody gets too hot and they can't cool down. It doesn't get cool enough at mm-hmm. night. 
they got to have some place to 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 cool it's a down. Relief. Yeah. And you know, we used to think of air conditioning as a uh, as a luxury, but um, in some in some respects, it's a uh, it's essential if, mm-hmm. if if the heat is too hot too long. Mm-hmm. They get that what they call it wet bulb. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, wet bulb heat wave where, where you mm-hmm. simply cannot lose the heat fast enough. And mm-hmm. um, I, I remember uh, you know at certain disasters uh, I'd been to over the years. Uh, especially down south after Katrina, mm-hmm. and you know they would bring uh, buses in, and you know engine running, cool it down, and bring people out of the apartments and let them sit in the bus for a while and cool down, and you know that could save a life just mm-hmm. by allowing them to to you know to dissipate some of that heat, mm-hmm. and you don't think about it, you don't think about it, but when the electricity goes off. I, <laughs> I'm such a pessimist when electricity goes off. I, I always think, you know, is it ever going to come back on? Uh, you know, uh, do I need, you know, what character am I playing in this Mad Max movie? You know, so I don't know. Oh, whenever the electricity goes out here, um, in this whole area, I guess because of the trees and everything, you know, uh, that go down, lines go down, whenever the electricity goes out, mm-hmm. it, you mentally prepare for, okay, we might be four days without it. Yeah. You know, it's never a, oh, it'll go back on in a minute. Oh, it's just, and, you know, and I even remember, you know, all of us probably remember growing up, it wouldn't be out for days and days and days. You know, if there was an electrical outage, it was usually taken care of within. And, you know, and sometimes that does happen here, but, you know, every time it's like, oh, okay, I got to brace myself. And, you know? you, and here's the other thing, too. Electricity used to be just like light bulbs and... You know, it was a. But now, you know, when electricity comes back on, you got you know ten thousand air conditioners ready to crank up simultaneously as soon as the power goes back on. I mean, uh, it can knock it back off again. Uh, you know, that's cheery. That's cheery. Everybody's. Uh, let's take a little uh, break, a music break here. I, I want to run this this by you. Uh, this is a song I found that I like a lot. Um, uh, it's about climate change. Uh, despite repeated warnings, it's called. And Wait, is is it from this decade, Lou? Is it from <laughs> you know? From you know some recent stuff, right? Yes, Jeff, it, I know what you mean. Yes, it is. It's it's a recent <laughs> oh. song by Paul McCartney. All right. Oh, okay, okay. Not something from the eighties or sixties or seventies. <laughs> <laughs> no, we already played those songs. Okay, oh good. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks. <laughs> this is Sir Paul McCartney. Despite repeated warnings Of dangers up ahead The captain won't be listening To what's been said He feels that there's a good chance That we have been misled And so the captain's planning To steer ahead Yeah, yeah. This is bad, is 
that deb well it started off a little depressing but i like the end you could dance to it okay there um, you, go. you know the yes we can do it it was positive okay. yes we can do it All and right. so um so i like that and okay. i like, there you I like go. that there you song go. so uh-huh. anyway find these songs well, I, you, you, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a genius. I just, I, how do I find? It? He doesn't say so himself. I, I Google uh, environmental music and it comes up. You yeah, know, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's really complicated. I have my staff work on it. <laughs> hey, Jerry, you still there? I am. Yeah, what'd you think of Reverend Billy? Well, um, <laughs> it's new and different for me. <laughs> I've never heard it, um, yeah. and uh, so it's still a lot to process. Yeah, so. yeah, it's it, 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 it's a hoot. I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in on him uh, some other time. Okay. Well, anyway, so, we're talking Harry, before. You know what? As Lou's mom once told me, um, it, that's interesting. It's not my taste, but that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's a safe comment. Yeah, that's the the backhanded. Well put. There you yeah. go. So. Um, uh, we were talking about optimism, pessimism, and and the uh, perennially or almost perennially optimistic uh, George Homan was telling me there is one thing that 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 alarms him. It's called the the Carrington event. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know if anybody's heard of this, but um, my my younger brother, we were we were talking about um, a number of um, issues, including some issues with, with uh, climate change. And my brother said, well, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. He said, I'm happy you're doing all these things with solar and what have you. But if we get another Carrington event, we are, um, I won't say what he said, but <laughs> <laughs> we're in big trouble. And I said, what's a Carrington event? And um, he, he told me this about two, uh, two, two, three months ago, and I started to, to read about it a little bit. So on uh, September 1st and 2nd in 1859, there was a, a coronal mass ejection from the sun, and it was... Um, it was aimed when it came out. It was aimed directly at the Earth, and it literally fried all of the telegraph lines in in Europe and the United States. Actually, burned up um, some telegraph stations, and there were some other weird, funky events with it. It, it, it literally shut down communications, and it's uh, it created an electromagnetic mag- magnetic field. That if it were to happen today, they say it would literally wipe out the electrical grid across around the world. 
and would fry most electrical devices. And, um, and apparently, there's been some research done by a number of scientists throughout the years. It's named after this uh, Sir Richard Carrington, who actually um, uh, witnessed the solar flare as it was happening, um, you know, through a telescope, and was able to kind of you know piece it together. And um, so it's it's fairly well documented. They've had it's happened throughout history, but uh, they say it happens every couple of hundred years. And uh, my brother said, you know, if it, <laughs> he's like literally. He's like, uh, you know, no, because he's like today. He's like nobody knows how to do anything. It's like uh, they got to they got to Google it, and if there's no electricity, you know, and if everything's fried. It's just like you're gonna have to go back to old-fashioned books, or you know, uh, just you know, try and know what to do, and you know, potentially by candlelight. Um, but um, and apparently, this is well known within the electrical community because I did have a meeting with folks at Orange and Rockland about another subject. And I said, by the way. Uh, they, some of them had vaguely heard about the Carrington, uh, you know, event, but uh, they they had talked about, you know, there, you know, there is some fears about um, uh, solar flares and, and the impact on the grid, and it has, you know, these have had impacts on the grid um, throughout history and throughout the last number of years. I mean, so you, your cars, the cars would die, right? Ca cars would die, computers, um, mm, phones, and, phone, everything. Um, and just imagine then, mm. you know, the typical person, it's like, my, my, yeah, my staff jokes in my office, it's like, you know, um, you know, do you know the answer to that? No, just Google it, right? So <laughs> you're not, not going to Google, what do I do when there's no electricity? <laughs> it's time to get the Encyclopedia Britannica now. Back, right. All right. All right. Oh, so, so, yeah. so, so, so ordinarily, Blue, I'm optimistic, but when, that's the one thing I'm a little concerned about. All right. Know? So, uh, uh, hey, Jerry, what's your current event uh, emergency plan? Well, luckily, I don't have a brother like the supervisor does because it's scaring me. You remain scaring, ignorant. You know what out of me right now. Uh, but but he, here, um, you, you know, Lou and Deb and, and uh, many of the listeners uh, from the Westchester Memorandic Avenue what, uh, what we're worried about here. And so we're trying to, as quickly as possible, uh, prepare for the next event, uh, but um, it, you know uh, the subject of the uh, the subject of the the podcast today and 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 the radio show mm -hmm. really does give us um, uh, some light at the end of the tunnel to mm -hmm. be able to do what we need to do. Mm -hmm. um, I hope it passes in November, and uh, I really do hope that uh, that all of us, all the municipal leaders and all the municipal managers. Um, Get the get the best and highest use out of it yes. because it really is important. Yeah. Okay. And and uh, you know so there, there's you know there's that and then there's the Carrington event. <laughs> well, no, but you know the, it, as Jerry says, you know it, there's optimism mm -hmm. in the knowing that people are serious about this. Mm -hmm. There's this um, there is this urgency to spend money on it to get things done now, and um, that brings me optimism. Yeah, to educate people about what it what it is, so the voters know what they're voting for too. Yeah, um, uh, last week I was at well, was it last week or two weeks ago? Uh, I was talking about a book uh, called um, "The Ministry for the Future." Have you heard about this book? No, it's uh, it's uh, Kim Stanley Robinson. It's a, a book about the near future. It's a, it's science fiction, but the, the science is rock solid. So it's about um, theoretical um, uh, scenarios and um, and solutions for. Uh, for global warming, that would include, uh, um, you know, governments 
world government, banking industry, and uh, and of course in this book it's uh, you know black ops and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's got to be kind of cool. But uh, so there's you know there it's it's a cool book, but uh, chilling, and it starts off with one of the most terrifying chapters, which is a uh, about a person living through a, a, a wet bulb uh, heat wave in India, and you know the electricity goes out and somebody comes and steals the. Uh, uh, steals the um, uh, generator and uh, air conditioner at gunpoint, and uh, mm-hmm. people are just dropping. You know, mm-hmm. so there's there's all that. It's fun. It's fun. I, but, uh, but but Lou, I I do think. I mean, just to to, to finish up, I, you know, mm-hmm. from my perspective, I, I absolutely th- do believe there's reason for hope here. I mean, yeah. look, just on this show, you have uh, people that that cover the entire spectrum uh, politically, uh, governmentally. Uh, you have a village and you have a town. Um, and I won't mention any, Kevin. I won't mention any of those terms. But we, but you know, we're, we're represented across all of those terms, mm-hmm. and we're looking at the same thing and coming up with the, the same conclusions. And and more people that I speak to in government are more concerned now with what we're what we're doing and mm-hmm. and the positive steps that we can take. And so that gives me reason for hope. I really think yeah. that. Um, hopefully with this Bond Act passing, there will be a lot of things that will take place here in New York. You know, and if, and if I didn't have hope, I go, I don't think we'd be doing the show. You right. know, so <laughs> exactly. So I'd be, uh, uh, I'd be uh, home drinking. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, George. Yes, he would. <laughs> yes, he would. <laughs> George Patanovic, uh, thank you very much for being here of with course. us. Uh, uh, of course. And um, Jerry Barbario, thank you very much for calling in from, uh, you know, what were you, thank poolside you. in the... Uh, <laughs> At, at the I'm country my, club I'm or in, something? What? I'm, I'm in my office. I'm in my office at, oh. at Village Hall. And, oh, uh, oh, very official. Yeah. How about that? Okay. A hard worker. Okay. You, yes, you are, my friend. Yes, you are. And uh, George uh, Homan, uh, who is uh, also working today, but uh, but interrupted his day to come into the, uh, the studio. We appreciate it. And Kevin Thomas, behind the board. And uh, thank you, sir, for being here. And uh, uh-huh. I'm Lou Young. Uh, you know, so we're, um, uh, we're going to be back. Uh, probably live again in a couple of weeks uh, and uh, once again once again take care of yourselves take care of the planet uh, eyes on the future we can make it take care guys <laughs> <laughs>